But how do we go about fixing it specifically? Take it one step at a time. Identify the problem. Fix it. Identify another problem. Fix it. Repeat as necessary until it's all fixed. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome to the From Where I Sit podcast. It is I, your host, Chris Carter, the condenser mic king with the dynamic content. And I am here with a new episode, this time a solo episode, uh, regarding a topic that's near and dear to my heart. Uh, because I was just thrust into the position, hashtag phrasing, I was thrust into the position of working during the primaries. Um, I was inspired by the Hassan Minaj uh, Patriot Act video, which explained that how we're doing voting wrong, how we're our focus on a two-party system is sort of causing us to have issues with politics in general. Um, I'm grossly simplifying what he said. Highly encourage everyone to go to YouTube or go to their Netflix account that they paid for or that their friend has and you have the password for. But I highly encourage you to go watch that particular segment on voting. After seeing that video and then actually working as a poll worker that Tuesday for the primary here in New York City, I was inspired. I felt um, I had to get on here and say something. And what it is I have to say is that we need some reform for the poll worker experience. I feel like the issues with the poll worker experience can be broken down into five parts. Um, Those five parts are the screening, the training, the hours, the staffing in terms of shifts, and then the staffing in terms of age. Um, So those are the five things that I feel like need to really be changed. So I'm not, I'm not just going to sit up here and rail entirely without any solutions. I actually have a few solutions that I thought up and I'm hoping to just, you know, get this out there in the ether. Maybe there are other cities or states that have similar issues with the polls. Maybe they can comment. Let me know if they have had similar experiences and if they have or if they haven't explain how your situation may be similar or different than mine. So for starters, let's talk about the issues with screening. Just because somebody can do the job doesn't mean they should in terms of poll working. The website to actually become a poll worker uh, highlights how much money you can make for working up to 10 days to make it seem like a cushy gig. It's like, hey, you can make almost... X amount of dollars in this short period of time, it's an ultimate come up. I get that. And of course, in a situation where there are people who can always use extra money, this is an enticing opportunity because the net that they cast is so wide. It's like, hey, you, you know, fill out the application and then you're in pretty much. Um, But I feel like there should be some more hurdles for those that apply because the work that is necessary to be done it takes a certain amount of aptitude it takes a certain amount of ability to problem solve it takes a certain amount of 
smarts. It takes a certain level of responsibility and it also takes a certain level of experience to make this job work. And it's also about the person being able to do the job when they're called on to do it. There are a lot of people that come to poll working sites and I've been I've been here uh, at these poll working sites a few years and there are people that show up and they can't do the job. They don't know what they're doing. They're not able to read the instructions to do the thing that they need to do. Uh, there are people that just aren't interested. There are people that come in to slack off. There are some people that come in to sleep, eat, just hang out, just get through the day so that they can get that check, just so they can be eligible for that potential. There's not anal. And that's a problem. Just doing the bare minimum to get the money for something that is this important, I feel like we have to start, you know, upping the difficulty level to get some of these people in or out of this uh, position. I know that this may not be the most glamorous position. I understand that maybe there aren't that many people, there aren't that many people, you know, scratching and clawing at the election worker doors at the board of elections to say, Hey man, let me in. I want to become a worker. Like I know desire for this position isn't super high, but just taking who you can get can be detrimental to the end process because it, it gums up the works for those that are actually capable on election day. It slows down the process. It slows down the efficiency of everyone around you. And I feel like maybe we should start looking into, you know, making the test a little harder. Maybe we, you know, do a training course, then test, uh, maybe, you know, do something else than what we're doing. Uh, that, that's, that's just me. Second is training. So I'm going to give some props first and foremost here at this, at this number, because the board of elections training manuals are absolutely exemplary. Whoever puts those together, whoever creates those lines them up, color codes them, that particular aspect of the training is top notch. Whoever is responsible for that needs a raise, uh, gold star certificates, plaques on the wall, whatever you whatever you need to do to compensate them honorably, that's what you should do because they put forth some of the best work in this entire process. That being said, in terms of training as a poll worker, the training isn't enough, in my opinion. I feel like one class that is about four, maybe four and a half hours, that is taught at almost light speed is not enough to prepare a poll worker for the day of you know any election, whether it be a primary or um, general election. The reason why I say this is the class is usually held at a time that may be either months, like maybe one or two months out or even six to eight months out, and you only have that one class. And that one class alone, you're supposed to hang on to all of the information from that one class where you're learning everything. You're being taught all positions at one time. 
And then when it's time to show up for the day that you're there, you're going to be working one of those many jobs that you learned. And some of them are easier than others. But let's say you're, you've got uh, issues with working at the tables where people actually hand you your ballots. There's a lot more that goes into that than would say somebody who's, you know, working on telling people where to go to actually get said ballots. But when you get there on election day, that information that you've got maybe two to one or two months ago, or even six to eight months ago, it's not going to stick. It's not going to stick. You, you need a refresher course. You need something, something a little bit closer to the day itself so that people can be fresh and ready to go to actually assist and help people when it's time to vote. Another issue that uh, pops up in this situation is, is that the speed of with which you're being taught, nothing really sticks. Nothing really has that capability of sticking into your brain because you're, you're just moving through the material so fast. Uh, maybe the training courses need to be slowed down. Maybe they need to be spread out over multiple weeks. There also needs to be certain... Uh, hands-on elements to these training processes because it would also help those who who need to learn in different ways. Some people are hands-on learners. Some people can learn by just, you know, being shown. But sometimes it helps to actually, you know, to follow the process step by step by step so that way you know how it's done that day. You can remember the steps, at least going through the steps. When people learn how to do martial arts they're not just shown a video like they do the steps they do they break down the steps one by one when you're playing tennis and you're learning the strokes forehand backhand slice overhand smash serve and volley you are taught each step broken down one by one and then you put it all together for yourself that should be something that these poll workers have to do as well because a lot of the times that information that you thought you had just magically abandons you the day of. Uh, the next thing that I feel like that needs to be changed is the hours. Uh, this one's near and dear to me because I feel like this one might be the one that's uh, the biggest problem out of the many problems I've already mentioned. I woke up for, for my poll working day. I woke up at 3.33 a.m to get to work for 5 a.m. By the time my day was over, I left the polling place at, I would say, 10.30 p.m. and didn't get home until 11. So that means I'm awake from 3.30 a.m., working 12 hours at 3.33 p.m., then you add an extra seven hours to that. So that's 19 hours that I'm awake already. And you're expecting me, as a fairly young guy, to be awake for 19 hours on one specific day when I'm not prepared physically at all for that. There, there are jobs that work 40 hours a week. They're not putting in 19-hour shifts. Even if you even if you count to take the travel out, you take that hour and a half away for travel. You you've got me at seventeen and a half hours. So you're telling me I've got to put in work for roughly seventeen and a half hours 
and you don't want me to make mistakes. And there's no opportunity for me to sleep or take a nap or take a rest or, you know, recharge the brain a little bit. Yes, there's the mandated two hour lunches. Yes, there are mandated breaks. Completely understand that. Uh, by the letter of the law, they're following the rules. I have no issues with that. But you're telling me in terms of poll worker age, I'm the youngest. I'm kind of one of the younger guys. But you're, te- you're telling me I have to work 17 and a half hours straight. And I have to make sure that there are no errors at the end of the day. Imagine somebody who's 25, 30, 35, 40 years older than me putting in the same exact amount of time and having to make zero mistakes in getting this entire process set up, setting it up, working at a high level the entire day from 6 a.m. till when the polls close. I have to be at a high level the entire time. I can't say oops here, oops there. Like I have to be on point. Mistakes can't be made or you're costing people quality votes you're costing people numbers so you want me there from six to nine focused you know eagle-eyed determination eagle-eyed focus for that long period of time but now you're asking people 20 30 40 years my senior to do the same thing that's that's a hard ask that's a very tough ask you're asking people to push themselves to limits that they don't normally go through and that causes issues for the entire process. Like we, we have to sort of fix that hourly situation. My suggestion, my solution to this would be to work sort of like a shift basis, maybe um, treat election day more like a relay race instead of it being a marathon hand the baton off from you know time to time have people work the early shift have people you know transition from early to middle maybe you can have them take breaks take longer shifts where it be you know somebody works the morning to 12 somebody comes from 12 to 6 that early person can then choose to come back for the finishing kick, would which would be from, say, six to the end of the day. Or, you know, maybe you could just split it up where it's from six to three and then the other person does from three to close, where you're not stretching people out endurance-wise with the time. You're not pushing people to the limits to just get this done. You're increasing your opportunity to create errors, to create mistakes. You want to foster a an environment for efficiency and i don't feel like that is done strongly enough in this setting creating a shift based scenario would probably be the best way to go in my opinion and i feel like that should be something they consider so the fourth thing that i would like to see fixed is the variance in staffing Uh, What I mean by variance is I feel like because there are some cultural differences at a lot of these sites, I feel like there should be some people on hand who have some cultural expertise as well as uh, expertise with language. 
from a lot of the times that I've worked in the polls, I've seen a lot of issues in terms of just hearing people's their vernacular, he- hearing their accents, hearing the the words that they choose. Like there's a there's a communication issue that's small, but can be easily overcome with familiarity. But there are certain cultures that don't necessarily have that familiarity because they choose not to have it. They're isolated. They choose not to. There's there's some sort of willful ignorance in that that plays out in there because of the segregation of certain areas, certain communities, certain races, certain language types tend to stick to themselves, therefore creating communication barriers. So you may tell a particular voter to do one thing. They may not understand the words you're saying. Understandable. So... In my opinion, I feel like what we need is maybe a couple more translators, for one, um, because we do have people that have, we speak a variety of languages here in New York City, and it would help if we had someone on site at pretty much every location that can speak the language of, instead of more than just, it has to be more than just Spanish, it has to be more than just uh, Cantonese, Mandarin, it has to be more than just uh, French, German. Like we, we need, maybe we need someone that can speak Creole, someone that can speak certain um, dialects of Spanish other than just, you know, regular Spanish. Maybe we need some, um, some people that can speak Yiddish, um, you know, just get some more variety in terms of translators because that way, we can communicate better to the voters what they need to do and how to do it without there being that many mistakes. There were t- there are many times when I've seen voters be told what to do and they do they do what most people do when they <laughs> they do what most people do when they want to just play something off is like yeah 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 I'll, they nod their heads I understand completely what you said go to the booth and just make a complete hot mess of the entire process. Instructions are not followed. They just do what they want. And then they are confused when it's time to put the ballot in. We can sort of cut out some of that trouble. Um, and then sort of just fix that by having more cultural expertise around. And more translators on site. And last but not least, I think that we need to fix the staffing issue. But we need to skew younger. This is not a an old versus young thing. This is not a this is not a public decree of me saying get rid of all the old people, down with the olds, just put them in a home and, you know, have them go off to pasture. That's not what I'm saying. The position skews old for one. And a lot of older workers that I've seen, they are set in their ways. There is not much give and leeway. Um, in terms of how they deal with voters. So I'm kind of leaning towards maybe getting in more people that have a little bit more youth to them. So they have they might have a little bit more flexibility than someone who is set in their ways. Another flip to that part about age is due to COVID-19. Based on, you know, current events, starting in January of this of this year, COVID-19 is a real thing. 
And from what I've been told and from the research that I've seen, people who are 70 and older are at high risk to contract said disease. Putting, let's say, 10 to 15 older men and women in a tight space with a lot of foot traffic from outdoors, that's the tough ask. You know, even if you've got people that are capable of asking every single voter to sanitize, to have a mask on, and to follow those steps, we all know the percentage of human error is very high at any event, at any situation. When people are told to do the thing that they're supposed to do, the first thing a lot of them do is the complete opposite. So if someone tells you, put your mask over your nose, what's the first thing someone's going to do is pull it down. Um, you know, touch your face, pull it all the way off to, to talk. Like it's, the, there are potential errors that could be literally costly, could be uh, fatal miscues, if you know what I'm saying. Like this, there could be some legal issues down the line from that. Like let's say somebody contracts COVID at one of these poll sites from the poll, you know, from one of the poll, the people that come to vote, that's, that's going to look, you know, pretty ugly. Uh, because, you know, even if you have these things and these precautions in place, these people have a, these people have a case, in my opinion, it's like, you're saying to them that, you know, you could get sick. We, you were probably going to have to give you a financial compensation for you catching that illness at our at our work locations. And that's that's not something you want to do consistently. The amount of money that you're sort of using to sauce it up for some of these older folks over a 10 day span Maybe there are some people who are gig workers or part-time workers or students or people who can, who don't want to do the standard nine to five. Maybe this can be a, an alternative to the process for them where they can come in, do some work, you know, earn an honest day's living, an honest day's wage, and then be on their way. Like, and they can, they can put in the hours that are necessary to make this thing move a lot smoother than it currently is. So yeah, I mean, just a room full of the elderly is not the move in 2020. You're trying not to really have that situation happen. And even with those precautions, you know, the, the, the sanitizer, the masks, it's not a perfect defense system and you don't want to put the elderly at that risk level for something as important as this. So yeah, that is my entire breakdown of poll working reform. I hope you got some information out of this. I hope you've learned some things. I hope you see what I saw and um, leave questions, comments, or commentary from me on my social media. Or via email. Uh, my email is from where I sit pod at gmail.com. I'm on Instagram at from where I sit underscore PC. You can get to me there or you can leave me a voice note here on Anchor. Um, yeah, so that is 
today's episode. Um, I just felt inspired uh, because Tuesday was it was a, it was a horror show, and I don't mean it in the good Clockwork Orange way. I mean it in the bad, like horror show, gruesome, gross way. And it was it was like a hot baby diaper uh, in the sun in the dumpster for like three weeks type of bad. And I felt there were ways that this could be improved to tweak, to add some efficiency to the process. But what I saw was a nightmare. And I can only imagine that there were some locations that were worse than mine. And um, I, I just I want to see this um, improved. I want to see this fixed in a way that makes this part of it something that is ironclad. It's watertight. You know that this is a well-oiled machine that cannot be weaponized in any way by any outside forces. That's kind of where I am with what I want to see for the poll workers. Here's hoping that things can improve. Here's hoping that things can get better. Here's hoping that we can see the error in the ways of how things are currently done and we can find ways to improve and move forward uh, with that. So as I sit here today on June 25th, 2020, I bid you adieu. Um, I hope all is well in your neck of the woods. Stay safe, stay cool, or if you're in a cool climate, stay warm. Have a good morning, noon, and night. Enjoy the rest of your day. And I will catch you guys on the flip side. Uh, let's shoot for the stars.